This is Yasukoya Radio, amplifying the voices of connected government and public innovation. Hello and welcome. I'm Alison Hornery and thanks for joining me for a conversation with Anne Kempster about Comms Camp, an unconference about all things communications held recently in the United Kingdom's Midland city of Birmingham. Anne is the Digital Communications Manager for the Government Communication Network in the UK Government's Cabinet Office and is one of the co-organisers of the event. Hi Anne and welcome. Hi. So for our international audience, could you give us a bit of an idea of some of the issues facing uh, public communicators in the civil service in the UK? Um, I think the main one, which is probably true for a lot of communicators all over the world, is um, reduced costs, reduced budgets, reduced staff. Um, I think in the wake of the financial crisis that most of the world went through in 2008, we're kind of operating in quite a different environment now. Um, Our budgets have all been hit really hard. Our staffing has all been hit really hard. Um, So we've got to balance the need to do more with less, which is a phrase that we use quite a bit. Um, Balance that also with, I think, the emergence of digital over the last few years. Um, It's been and still is sort of quite an issue of trying to embed a digital way of thinking in non-digital people. Um, with a third, I think, sort of issue, which is um, certainly for us in the UK and central government, we still have a lot of issues around our IT and being able to actually access digital channels as well. Um, so those sort of three things, I would think, are the biggest issues that we're facing at the moment. Hmm, so a great opportunity, I guess, to to bring some of those people together to, to share their experiences and, and perhaps learn some things from their colleagues. I think a lot of really great work being done um, as a result of all of this. I think in some ways it's been a blessing that we've had to say we've had to sort of operate with a lot less money and a lot less staff because it's forced, which is probably the wrong word, but it's made us be more creative, which I think can only be a good thing. Hmm. So tell us about Comms Camp. Tell us how the event came about, um, why you chose an unconference format, and and why this communications focus. Well, I've been going to unconferences of various kinds. So um, UK GovCamp, which is the big one in this country, which is um, more around sort of tech but touches on comms as well, and other sort of more specific events for a few years. Um, I've been wanting to do something specifically around comms because of my role with um, GCN. Um, and Dan and I met up one day, Dan Slee, my other co-organizer, who's um, based in around Birmingham and Walsall. He's a press officer with them, um, and he's been in this, the same sort of networks as I have. We met up for some coffee in London one day just to chat about things, and sort of at the end of the conversation, he's like, oh, I'm thinking I'd like to do some sort of unconferency comms event, at which point I promptly sat back down in my chair and had a very long discussion about it. <laughs> something I'd wanted to do for a long time. Um, and so we just did it. I think a couple of days later, we decided that we would do an unconference because we loved the format, the style, um, the freedom of an unconference, really. And, um, yeah, we decided to do it stuck an event right up, got a, got a quick WordPress site up and launched it on the world without a date and without a venue, with just a concept. Fantastic. Um, and so I guess the, you know, the word spread and, uh, and you're underway. I'm interested in if you could give us a bit of a flavour of, of the kinds of people who were represented there on the day, um, whether it was purely the communications people coming together as a community or whether you had people from different disciplines within the civil service who perhaps were interested in the role of comms in their work? Um, no, it was pretty much all communicators. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think if there was anyone, well, there would be some freelancers there, people who are sort of doing their own stuff, but um, mostly it was pretty much a 50-50 split between local government and central government, mm-hmm. um, which was our aim for the day. I think one of the issues that we wanted to try and tackle was central and local government not quite talking to each other from sort of when it, at the level of comms teams. Um, so we wanted to bring everyone together in a room and try and break down some of the barriers between the two public sector sectors. Okay. So that's really interesting, that 50-50 split. And, and obviously in the UK, they're the, the two main levels of, of government um, that, that are in play. I'm wondering, as well as breaking down some of those those barriers, which is obviously very important to do, in some of the themes that emerged and some of the sessions that were proposed, were you finding that there was some commonality between those two sectors of the issues that they wanted to talk about, or was there very much these are local government issues and these are central government issues? Oh, no, I would say, I mean, one of the things that I think was a real strength is that it's for unconferences, is it allows people to see that, oh my gosh, we all have the same issues. <laughs> come from, it's the same. It might be sort of slightly skewed a little bit. For the, for the sector, but no, the issues are all pretty much the same. And I think that really, sort of anecdotally, what people were saying to me is, oh, it really helped to know that it's not just me or it's not just us. You know, we're all facing this together, which I think also helped to break down some of the barriers because lo- local government could see, oh, central government doesn't have all this money and all this resource, you know, they kind of have to make do as we're doing as well, which I think goes a long way to um, stopping some of the negative feelings that maybe can sometimes happen. Hmm. So I noticed that uh, that there were a really diverse range of sessions that were that were put up and and were discussed on the day. Everything from the the big picture, what's it all about, through to how do we do more with less, um, through to really interesting sessions like um, why didn't more women pitch a session at Comic Camp, yes. which I thought was a fascinating one, and I'd like to talk about that one a little more. But for um, you, what were some of the key general themes that emerged for you um, as an organizer as you were moving throughout the day? Obviously, digital was something that came out quite heavily. Um, I think that has both its pros and its cons. I think one of the things we sort of picked up on sort of towards the end of the day was that there were no traditional comm sessions pitched over the day. Okay. So there was, there was nothing on campaigns in the traditional sense. There wasn't really anything around internal comms as such. Um, so it was, And it wasn't our intention for everything to be heavily digitally focused. But I think it's reflective of, in a good way, of the mindset of everyone knows that that's the direction we have to be moving in. So it's quite positive in that sense. That's a really interesting issue, I guess, um, that you know, the digital can quite often be a bit of a distraction. Um, and I can imagine that there are some people, particularly more of the traditional communications people, who might feel that the geeks have actually inherited the earth. Um, <laughs> do, do you think that... It's being such a, a big issue that came out almost on its own with this group of people uh, shows that there are still some bridges to be built between those communication activities like campaigning and internal comms and so on and how the digital fits into that rather than the digital driving everything that follows. Yeah, I think certainly internal comms is the one where it's still not necessarily most obvious to people how social media and digital techniques fit into internal comms. Um, I think we're moving a long way in that direction. And some friends of mine in the sort of private sector are actually running an internal comms unconference in London this, London this summer as well, which I'm going to. So it'll mm. be interesting to 
see how they're grappling with these issues, and not just in the public sector, but in the private sector as well. So let's come back to this this issue that I thought was fascinating because I was actually watching the Twitter stream of the event live and I noticed this happen I'm as so it happened. Sorry, Sam, that you must have had to put up with. <laughs> Awful on our end. Uh, look, it's just one of the the unfortunate hazards of uh, of being a popular yeah. a, a popular topic, I think. Yeah. But what was fascinating was to watch uh, this issue of why aren't there more women pitching for sessions at mm. this event, which then led, I gather, into a wider conversation about women feeling, you know, up for participating and and sharing their views and 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 really, you know, being much more participatory. Were you surprised by that? Um. Yes and no. No, because the issue of women in tech, women in digital, women in general is a really big issue in the UK at the moment. Um, There's all sorts of groups springing up trying to address women's um, underrepresentation in the media as experts. The Women's Room UK is a really fantastic example of something that's got going recently um, to try and address this. And it's an issue that came up at um, UK GovCamp two weeks later, which I was in a session again around trying to encourage women to get involved in in conferences, unconferences, public speaking, mm-hmm. um, that world in general. Um, but I think the session at Comms Camp was interesting because I don't think we quite came up with an answer in the end. I, th- I think it's one of those issues as well that there isn't quite a straightforward answer of yeah. um, it's all about women. Because one of my issues is it's actually all about personality type. <laughs> so I know there were a lot of men in the room who were quite shy, mm. introverts, mm. you know, the same issues apply to them as it would be for a, for a woman um, to decide to stand up and speak and sort of put yourself out there. It's quite a scary concept, no matter who you are, I think. Mm, man. Mm. Um, so I think it's an issue that isn't quite as, quite as simple as, as just a, it's a women's issue sort of thing. It's certainly very interesting to see it almost as a, an indicator of some, some deeper issues that, that came out at, almost at that very surface, why aren't we pitching more sessions for yeah. this event that we're here at today. I thought that was fascinating. I mean, that, that's what I thought was the surprising part, was that someone actually called us up on it on the day at the event and sort of forced the issue out into the open, which I think is exactly the thing that needs to be done at conferences. Mm. Mm. Instead of sort of boycotting because it's an all-male panel or that kind of thing, I think the idea of actually bringing the issue out into the open in front of everyone is exactly what is going to help to stop these things happening in the future. Mm. The other thing that I was interested to to read um, was a, a few blogs from people who attended, and there was one comment from uh, Kate Bentham uh, that really struck me, and she wrote, no matter where you work in an organisation or what your experience is, we all have a comms role to play. Mm. And I thought that was that was really um, quite insightful, that even though this might have been a gathering of comms people, that there is a much broader comms perspective with, that pervades the, the whole kind of organisation. How do you think events like this, which brings the practitioners together, helps then help them spread this to their colleagues in in other disciplines? Um, I think because we had quite a wide range of people, and Kate herself actually isn't in a comms team as such. She's actually out on the front line working with people and trying to get them involved in social media and things like that. Um, But I think it just gathering more best practice, gathering case studies, hearing how it's worked for people can only help but inspire and motivate you to take that back to where you work and to try new things, to reach out to other parts of your organization and try and get them on board with some of the work that you're trying to do. 
So a follow-up question to that, um, which is something that's very close to, to our hearts, given that we're, we're starting to see uh, a number of people now wanting to report for Gov2 Radio and we're going to be kicking off a program about that later this year. But the public narrative is shaped by so many forces, politicians, mm. civil servants, the media, interest groups. Do you feel that professional communicators inside government feel that they have enough opportunity to also contribute to these stories that are now starting to be told about how government is innovating and changing and some of the good things that are happening? Certainly UK civil servants have a very, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of legally neutral. We have to be neutral. Um, civil service law was enshrined, neutrality was enshrined in law a few years ago here. So we do have um, a very strict set of propriety guidelines that we have to work to. Um, so we can put forward the, the policies of the government of the day, but we can't stray into the political world at all. So there is some constraint. You know, we can't criticize. We can't be negative about things. But there's a lot of ways we can be positive about things and, and try and shape shape the discussions that happen in the public. Um, so obviously we hold the levers in terms of most digital engagement work with the public um, and are in a unique place to present information to the public as well. So the other thing I guess I'd, I'd like to ask you about around this issue of, of different disciplines. You, you talk there about um, you know, Kate Bentham being one, a frontline practitioner who, who recognises the importance of comms. Do you mm -hmm. think that the comms professionals also have a, a role to play in, in perhaps being a bridge between the these different disciplines, a bridge between the digital experts, between the comms teams, between policy teams, frontline and also the political sphere? Yes, I think is the short answer to that. Um, mm. I, we've also been having a lot of really interesting discussions in various places over the past few months about what the future for digital comms teams is. Um, some people saying, oh, well, we'll disappear in two years because everyone will be digital. Um, but I think I take quite the opposite view to that in that there will always be a need for experts. Our role will evolve and change. And I think we're going to become much more about enabling and coaching and teaching other parts of the organization how to do digital in terms of engagement through social media and that type of thing. Um, so I think we'll always have a role and it will be much more along those lines of trying to engage policy with how you use these tools for engaging with the public around policy creation, consultation, things like that. So and just thinking back to, to comms camp and the energy that was created from that, one of the things that we quite often find in talking to people about these sorts of events is what happens at the end? How do you then capture that energy, harness it and, and move it forward? What do you think events like Comms Camp uh, can do that has an enduring impact for the people who participate? Well, I think immediately most people who've come are inspired and motivated to take things back to their workplaces, try and start to think differently. Um, I don't think that unconferences or things that in sort of in this open spaces sphere are quick quick win, quick change type things. I think they're long, slow burns, which probably makes them more successful in the long run. Um, but I think already, out of comms camp, um, housing camp is happening in the UK uh, sometime in the next few months okay. as a direct comms camp. Um, there's talk of a um, unconference in the fire service as well. Um, I'm madly starting to think about doing a comms camp in London later this year, so they sort of start becoming self-perpetuating models of, of delivery of good stuff. Um, you know, there isn't a one organizer who's in charge of everything, so someone else can go off in another direction with it, which I think is fantastic. 
So what was what surprised you most about Comms Camp? 130 people decided to come up to a really cold, wet Birmingham for a, to take a day off work to do it. <laughs> so it was on a weekend or a weekday? This was on a weekday, yeah. Okay. Um, it was Tuesday, which was quite a, a usually on conferences are on Saturdays, but we I don't know why, but we went for a mid midweek day, and um, it worked quite well. I mean, we had to we ran a waiting list for the event in the end, which hit over four hundred people, um, which we had to turn it off at that point wow. <laughs> to manage expectations. But I think that really blew us away how much interest there was from um, this community for something like this, because it's the first event of its type specifically for communicators in the UK. Um, and uh, that sort of scrambled my brain for quite a while, that there were mm. that many people who wanted to come to something like this, um, which just makes me want to do it again. Although <laughs> that might be also slightly mental illness on my part. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is it is fantastic, isn't it, to know that there is such a, a community of interest out there wanting to have this this conversation. Yeah. So, given that you are so energised about uh, about keeping this rolling, what would you do differently next time, or perhaps what advice would you give others who are wanting to hold a, a similar kind of event? I think what I would do different next time. Um, we're talking about facilitating the event slightly differently, possibly having two facilitators. Uh, one of the other things we would do is because the event, as I was talking about before, was so heavily digital, um, in one of the streams that runs throughout the day, I would like to hold that for traditional comms, quote unquote, type sessions, so that we can sort of bring that back out into the open, because I don't want us to be excluding people who still haven't come on board sort of the digital train. But I think, I mean, I think the, the whole concept of unconferences and participant-led events is just so mind-bogglingly amazing it's hard to put into words really um just to see people come together and start talking to each other people that maybe wouldn't before it's just i mean that's why i do it that's why i did it and that's what i think touched me most about the day was just to stand at the edge of the room at lunchtime and watch local government and central government people talking laughing sharing um and just meeting each other and networking well, it sounds like it's the beginning of, of a really terrific um, series of events, if not um, a wider conversation amongst this community of interest. It's been yeah. such a pleasure to speak with you, and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for asking me. And if you'd like to follow up on today's discussion with Anne about Comms Camp, you'll find all of the downloads and links at gov2oradio.com. And don't forget to let us know if you know of a story worth telling or perhaps a story that you'd like to tell. I look forward to your company again next time. Bye for now.